Well, welcome to Grace on Tap. Grace on Tap is a podcast dedicated to the history and the theology of the Lutheran Reformation. For the next several episodes, we're going to be taking a leisurely stroll through the large catechism. In the previous episode, we started this discussion of the large catechism, and we got through paragraphs 1 through 11. The paragraph notations are a way to follow through the large catechism, no matter what edition, translation, copy that you have in front of us. So we hope that as you are listening to this podcast, if you are not driving as you're listening, you may in fact have a copy of the large catechism in front of you or download one from the website and follow along. This is going to be a great theological conversation we have all over this nice cold beer that we've got ahead of us. I'm looking forward to the beer break when we can talk about it. And now, we have a chance to kind of go backwards a little bit. We were in paragraph 11. So in, in paragraph 11, one of the things, Luther goes into these little sidebar examples where he has uh, some sort of, maybe reference some sort of hyster- historical figure who might not be as well known today as he was in Luther's day, or maybe he's well known in Germany uh, but he's not really well known here uh, in the U.S. or elsewhere in the world. Uh, so, uh, paragraph eleven is a is a great example of this. Uh, in paragraph eleven, there we covered it last time, but we're going to go back to it because in there, Luther is talking a lot about the work of the devil and how God's word is profitable against him. But then he brings up this 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 character Dietrich of Bern. And I, I don't know, Evan, I, I've never heard of Dietrich of Bern before. Are, are you, have you ever heard of Dietrich of Bern? I had not. So here's the quote that's inside the large catechism about Dietrich Bern. It says, for he cannot hear or endure God's word. And God's word is not like some other silly prattle as that about Dietrich of Bern, etc. But as St. Paul says in Romans 1.16, the power of God, yea, indeed the power of God, which gives the devil burning pain and strengthens, comforts, and helps us beyond measure. So Luther is contrasting the certainty of the truth and power of the word of God versus the silly prattle such as Dietrich of Bern. So what silly prattle is Dietrich of Bern guilty of? So I did a little bit of a uh, little bit of, of research on Dietrich of Bern, and uh, what I found was that he's also known as Theodoric. Uh, there's there's a name you don't hear very often anymore, uh, but Theodoric the Great. He was a Germanic king who reigned over most of Europe uh, around 500 A.D. Uh, so Luther is comparing the truth of the Bible to the stories of Dietrich, who was said to have battled dwarfs and giants and dragons and all sorts of stuff. I mean, a really remarkable life that <laughs> Dietrich had. Uh, and, and so Luther's making this point that God's word is is not like the the myths and the legends that are surrounding Dietrich of Burns. God's word is, and Luther says um, uh, that's the power of God. He, and I guess I, I interpret that to mean that he's he's saying that it's effectual, that it, it actually has power. It actually does something. And and so uh, where a story of Dietrich of Bern might, it might have some good information about way to live or how to lead people or, or something like that, but it, it is not powerful against the devil and, and against sin. So Dietrich of Bern is a good fictional story that might, as children, give us excited stories 
But when we are battling a true evil force of the devil, we need a true powerful force that is God. And so I, I think that's a great, wonderful example that Luther's introducing here in his preface to the large catechism, where he's reminding people to be constantly in the word. Why should we constantly be in the word? Because it is the word that is the power to defeat the enemy. Well, there's one one more point I wanted to make, and and he's you know there's a couple of things that Luther goes into here. He says it, it's uh, that it strengthens that the, the the God's word strengthens, comforts, and helps us beyond measure. So it, those are those are different things, right? I, I mean, it, the 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 strengthening us is is different than comforting us, and that's I guess related to helping us beyond measure. But it's there's there's three different things that he he outlines there. That's sort of the launching point uh, for paragraph twelve. You know, so that sort of finishes up what God's word does. How is it effective? It strengthens, comforts, and helps us beyond measure. Then in paragraph twelve, you know, you're sort of expecting a definition of okay uh, of the effectiveness of God's word. You know, and uh, you know how does it strengthen, comfort, and help us beyond measure? What what's next? I guess that's where I was in. When I was reading through this, I'm thinking, okay, so now you introduce these things. So where do you, where do you go from there? And he doesn't really go where I expect. Well, he does start to talk about how you know the Bible does have a lot of words in it. Um, there's the profit and fruit that God's word produces, and the devil has a thousand arts. He's a master of a thousand arts. What shall we call God's word, which drives away and brings to naught this master of a thousand arts with all of his arts and powers? And here he has the power and the strength, Luther says, to say that our God is the master of more than a hundred thousand arts. It does us no good to despise the power, profit, strength, and fruit of this word. And so he's nervous that there are pastors and there are preachers that feel like they have moved past needing God's word to support their preaching. I remember a conversation about preaching and thinking, with someone else, you know, we're just kind of gabbing back and forth about what is central to preaching. And we said, you know, central to preaching is describing that we need God and God promises to be present with us through the person and work of Jesus. Pretty much that's every sermon. And and someone says, well, do you ever move past that sermon? And we said, no, because that is the sermon that defeats Satan. And uh, that is the sermon that is uh, brings the the power, the prophet, the strength, and the fruit. And pretty much, I think, any good sermon is some variation on that. We've messed up. God still loves us. And how do we know he still loves us? He has sent Jesus Christ to be our Savior. So now live in the promise and the hope of that Savior. Whoever claims to be pastors and preachers, they should have this word to feast on. So one of the things that jumped out at me was this this line? I think it's the second sentence in, uh, in in paragraph twelve. He goes, "If I were to recount all the profit and fruit which God's word produces, whence would I get enough paper and time?" And that's that's what I was sort of getting at a moment ago. Was that he Luther sort of in the in paragraph uh, paragraph eleven introduces this idea of strength. Uh, uh, strength, comfort, and help us beyond measure. But then the time comes to say, okay, can you define that? Can you define what the strength comes? And he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. 
<laughs> that's mm. that's there's there's not enough time or paper to do that. Oh. God, there, there, you know, God's word has way more than that. But then he says, then he dives into right after that, he dives into exactly what you were talking about, which is that you know the the foundation for everything is the catechism. You yes, you can go into all this other stuff, but you're knocking the you're knocking the legs out if you're if you if you go into this other stuff the, the 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 higher things and and get away from the 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 basic stuff of the catechism we never and luther's going to go into this and hit on it over and over and over again in, in this uh in this yeah. this preface that we never finish learning the catechism and when he's referring to the catechism we we talked about this before he's not talking about a big complicated academic book it's the Ten Commandments. It's the Creed. It, it's the Lord's Prayer. It's explanation of baptism and a, a demonstration of how we confess our sins and have the promise of the forgiveness of sins and an explanation of the Lord's uh, sacrament. The catechism is just that thing which we need every day as much as we need daily bread, because we're going to daily use this word of God that we have that is the power of God to bring about salvation. And so as Luther's introducing the large catechism, he is speaking to people that may not know it, but he's also speaking to people who feel in their arrogance that they don't need to focus on it anymore, that it's too simple. So he's got two audiences. One audience is just not even aware of it, and he's telling them, you need this every day. And then he's got another audience that is aware of it, but think that it's too simple for them. So one of the things that I don't think we mentioned when we first started this long preface in the in episode forty one was that uh, this this long preface that there's actually two prefaces that Luther has uh, to the to the large catechism at least the version that we're referencing. Mm-hmm. There is the long preface which we're in the middle of right now, and then there's the short preface. And in the long preface, it seems like it's it's really geared more toward pastors, people who tend to go to the arcane, tend to think that they're better, that they don't need the catechism anymore. Where I, it looks like, and Evan, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like the 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 second one, the short the short preface, is more geared toward like fathers. Uh, uh, just people who are, uh, you know, parents, people who who may not know anything about the catechism. Is, is I, that? Is that? I a, see that. Yeah? yeah. So the short preface has um, introduces the large catechism by saying it's a sermon designed and undertaken to be an instruction for children and the simple-minded, and every Christian must need these know these things. And he says that uh, we must have the young learn the parts which belong to the catechism. He says it's the duty of every father to teach it and that we well remember the time of daily occurrence when we need it and when we also need to remember not only the young moments of life when we might be rude about learning it, but we should remember those old moments of life when we will know nothing else but this truth. And then he says it's uh, something that's for all people of old uh, and young and everybody. The short preface is a really simple one. The long preface is really describing for people who may need a little bit more convincing. 
which unfortunately at that time was the pastors. I used to, I, w- I grew up Catholic, um, and I would have, go to church, and the priests would sometimes give a homily that was very arcane, um, you know, deep into philosophical noodling. Uh, and, and actually, just a few years ago, when my, when my uncle passed away, I had the same experience. The, the, the priest got up, and, and I, I, I usually can follow theological discussions pretty well, better than most, and I was completely lost. And, and so, you know, there is, but I don't see it in Lutheran circles. And honestly, I don't, you know, a couple of times I've been to Catholic churches recently, I don't see it there typically. Did this, did, did this sort of thing happen in Lutheran? Does it, I, I, don't, I don't see a whole lot of this kind of thing anymore. Is you it, mean the catechetical preaching? No, no, the, not, the getting overly the, theological, overly a complex, um, where you move, where the pastor is tempted to move past the catechism uh, into something more philosophical, or I guess I, I've seen where pastors will not be catechetical, but they don't, te- they tend to oversimplify, they, they tend to sort of not simple, oversimplify. What I've, what I see are three categories. The, the, major big categories one is cate- catechetical uh, teaching the the second one is where it's really arcane and really super philosophical and then the third one which i tend to see now is sort of a not ent- they might not reference the bible at all it's more be a good person you know mm. type stuff um that kind of thing it, 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 sort of self-helpy type stuff uh, where it's not really talking about the catechism or anything having to do with with Christ and what He's done, for, the work He's done for us. It's more just be a good person type stuff. I think it's that third category of sermon that's the one in our in our times that moves past the catechism, where there is this kind of life lesson sermon. The thought is that people need to know how to live now. That we told them about Jesus, now we need to teach them how to live in Jesus. And I think that the the notion that people know how to live in Jesus, it, it's something I struggle with. And I think the preaching today that I want to hear is still the basic stuff. I still want to hear a good sermon that delivers Jesus. There are people that struggle with that kind of basic sermon still. And so I think the lesson in the preface is still needed, and that is the master of a hundred thousand arts in which we would not have enough paper to write about what he does still wants us to know the basics. And and what he's what he's saying is that uh, you know for the that pastors need to for not just for the sake of the congregation but for the sake of themselves to to go through um, God's word and always. Now there's an interesting point in here in this. He reprimands pastors to always build their sermons on God's word. But if they don't, he says they should be given nothing to eat, driven out, baited with dogs, pelted with dung. Yeah. How would you like that in your call letter? eh? It's, it's sort of, I don't know. No soup for you. No soup for you. I I just I thought that was you know good Luther. That's typical Luther. So anyway, that that's uh, that gets us through. Uh, any any other points on on twelve slash thirteen? No, I think it just is a reminder that the catechism is the simple building of life upon God's word. 
uh, through knowing uh, the Ten Commandments, uh, the working of God through the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. Let's now look in paragraph 14, where Luther is putting forward a second reason for why we should study the Catechism. So if the first reason is it's the foundation of life upon which our preaching, our teaching, and our living is built, what's the second reason, Mike? So the second reason is simply because God commands it. And, uh, and he references Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy, uh, from what I understand, is, is basically a long sermon given by Moses just before he died. And, and so the first few chapters are just sort of recounting the journey in the wilderness. And, uh, and then Moses goes through the Ten Commandments again. And one of the things I thought was funny was that Luther, uh, Moses is always blaming the Israelites for all of his problems. In that, you know, <laughs> you, you made me do this, you made me do that. But anyway, so w- what we have here is Luther, uh, Moses, in Deuteronomy 6, Moses going over the Ten Commandments again, after going over them who knows how many times during the 40 years in the wilderness. And, and he says, don't ever stop going over the Ten Commandments. Now, this is Moses talking. He says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you get, walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So there's this, this you know, it's a perfect uh, point for Luther to say, you never, Luther's using, you know, Deuteronomy 6. And in Deuteronomy 6, Moses is saying the same thing Luther is saying. Say, never, never, ever stop studying the Ten Commandments. There is so much there. You never truly learn them. And in the foundations of family life ministry that a lot of congregations are now emphasizing, utilizing Deuteronomy 6 is important because it's teaching us that the message and promises of God will be passed down from one generation to the next generation through the parents teaching their children. And so as Luther is writing about the catechism being commanded in Deuteronomy 6 to be shared, he is referencing a context that is about family. But he, it, Luther makes the point that he does this because he loves us and is concerned about us. It's not like God is, is saying, study the Ten Commandments for his health. It's not like he's, God is, is putting some sort of burden on us. God loves us and cares about us, and he's concerned about us. And he, and in the in Lutheran context, we, we, we say that God does this because he knows that we tend to forget that we're sinners, that we, it's very easy for us to think that we're good enough. And, and as we study these Ten Commandments, then, then you know, we're, we're, you know we, we sort of lose track of that. Well, I think that's a great place to, to take a, a break. And we'll get started with our, our, how about the beer break, Evan? Yeah, so let's take a beer break. We got this Saugatucket Brewing Company here, uh, made in Michigan, and we're drinking the Singapore IPA. It says it's intensely aromatic, crisp, and refreshing. Uh, Alcohol by volume is 7%. This Saugatucket Brewing Company, their aim is to brew great beer every time. Consistent, true-to-style beer, um, even when they're just being experimental. So, what do you know about this guy? About these guys? Well, uh, they they opened up back in 2005, just as a small little brewery there in Douglas, Michigan. Now, Douglas, Michigan, it's almost if you drew a line uh, uh, from going directly west from where we are, we're 
just a little north of of, uh, of Detroit. If you go directly west out to Lake Michigan, you hit Douglas or close. It might you know Douglas is right around just where we are, but right on Lake Michigan, a beautiful area. Um, and uh, so they 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 opened up shop in 2005 and 2008. They uh, went to a much larger facility. Um, and, uh, now like a lot of these breweries, they're very community focused and they, I, I checked out their website. They're, they're always trying to draw the, basically be a place for the community to gather. Uh, so it's, uh, I'll tell you, this is a, this is a good beer. I, I really like the, I, I was, I was wondering about this IPA cause I, I'm getting sort of tired of IPAs. You know, I've had a lot of IPAs lately and so I'm sort of getting, I'm, I'm looking for something a little more interesting, but this this is uh, this is a nice a nice IPA. I'm really enjoying this one. Um, I enjoyed it as well. It tastes um, refreshing. Um, it is an, as strong as the beer is at seven percent. It does not taste heavy or thick, um, and I enjoy the flavor of it. It's got kind of an amber, uh, cloudy look to it, and. Uh, I appreciate the work they did to create this beer for me. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice one. I'm I'm really enjoying it. This is a, like like Evan said, it's a nice light. It's a lighter IPA. Little uh, I, I'd say light on the tongue, I guess. It's a, but it's a, it's got a nice nice flavor to it. Not too not too hoppy. You know, there was that period there where all the beers were really really hoppy, and I was I was thinking this was going to be a very very hoppy beer. It's a nice nice level of hops. Strong, you know, mm-hmm. strong. Uh, like all IPAs, a little strong on the hops, but but that's 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 perfect for uh, you know that that's it's a, it's a really good IPA. So I'm so really enjoying it. I hope to find a time when I can go experience their large, family-friendly pub and their outdoor patio and the tap room called the Barrel Room. Do you keep a chart of where you've been in Michigan, Mike, of different breweries? I do not. I do not. I should. I've been to a lot of breweries, um, but I, I have not. I, I should put a map of Michigan on my wall and put little thumb thumbtacks in there. That for now, every is your memory there. good? Like if you walked into a place, you would know you had been there before? Yeah, I think so. I, I would know that I've been there. And, uh, you know, I, I might not remember all the details about it, but I'll, I'll remember that. Oh, yeah, I've been here before. You know, yeah. I might not remember what beer I ordered, but I'll remember being there. How about you? I, I'm pretty good at looking at a place and saying I've been here, uh, but I will not remember what I ordered the last time. And then I'll order something. I'll go, oh, this is delicious. And my wife will be staring at me. And she goes, yep, you got that last time. So <laughs> I really have the benefit of both in remembering the ambiance of a place, but not remembering the beer too much. And so I get to enjoy it as if it was new each time. That makes two of us. So to, uh, to Sagatuck Brewery and, and, uh, and the, their IPA. So returning now back to the large catechism, paragraph 15 is another explanation for why to study the large catechism. And here, Luther is referencing, again, Satan, and he's talking about how Satan is at work in the world. We have a mighty enemy in the devil, and we have been given in the catechism, in God's word, weapons and defense that, unfortunately, he says, we have been too lazy to use. And it's time to start using what God has given to us to find refuge and protection in this world. 
God has provided to us his word. Let's use it. And he is just getting annoyed. Now think back to the Saxon visitation. He went around and he saw what was going on. And he's thinking to himself, these people are living under fear and fright of the devil, but they're not using the very weapons that God has provided to them to survive. So yeah, that's uh, that pretty much nails it. He, he, just, might as well just read it here. Uh, oh, what mad, senseless fools are we, that while we must ever live and dwell among such mighty enemies as the devils are, we nevertheless despise our weapons in defense and are too lazy to look at or think of them. So yeah, he he's uh, he comes out pretty strong there. So that, that was all of paragraph 15, by the way. There's yeah. not a whole lot there. I really, you know, I, like everybody, we, we, are all, uh, we are all surrounded by, Luther calls it the devil or devils, um, and we don't use what God has given to us. And I, I know I don't use, you know, I, I, I am just as guilty as those people he's talking to. Uh, of going out and hey, you know, I, I I can handle this. I got it. You know, and let me let me let me take a shot at it. And and there's a temptation there to to try and tackle it yourself without turning to God or His Word. And I like I said, I'm 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 as guilty as anyone on that one. So I, I uh, although it was a simple simple sentence, it it pretty much summed me up. I know that. You know, it describes a lot of the hubris that we have that we think that. Uh, what we have with our own hands is stronger than the very word that God has provided to us to be able to withstand the struggles and moments we live in. All right. So we're now we're moving into paragraph 16. And he says that there are surpiscillous, presumptuous saints who are unwilling to read and study the catechism daily. Doing, they're doing more to esteem themselves rather than esteeming, esteeming God. And his concern here is that, uh, again, Satan is so dangerous um, and why would we bother then disregarding God's gifts that would give us the strength to withstand Satan? So one of the big things he's hitting on here is that God himself is not, never tires of teaching the catechism. So one of the things that uh, he's getting at here, he says, uh, God himself is not ashamed to teach these things daily as knowing nothing better to teach and always keeps teaching the same thing and does not take up anything new or different. And all the saints know nothing or different to learn, nothing better or different to learn, and cannot finish learning this. Are we not the finest of all fellows to imagine? If we have once read or heard it, we know it all and have no further need to read and learn, but can finish learning in one hour what God himself cannot finish teaching. I think to the people I've known in my life who have been the strongest witnesses to the grace of God, and they have been able to communicate in the simplest ways the promises of God, whether they've been very esteemed professors or just simple shut-ins uh, living in their homes with the heat at 90 degrees, uh, all of them have just focused on the basics. And mostly the people that I have found in my own kind of life as I've tracked some people, when they get too complicated and and life gets filled with a bunch of arguments that are disconnected from God's word, sadly, it is not too long in these people's lives where I start to say, there's something 
there's something missing. Yeah, you know, it's uh, that's one thing that uh, I've noticed is the I never get tired of the the, the Ten Commandments or or reading the, the the basics, learning about the basics of the faith. When I when I was younger, I I, I thought I had it down, um, and even today, I I forget. You know, even with, but it's actually the more you study them, the more you realize you need them. I, I think that's that's one of those things, and it's a you don't really. You, I I don't know. Maybe a good I good indicator for our our spiritual maturity is the the knowledge that we don't know anything. <laughs> you know, when we finally figure out that we don't know anything, we're getting closer. Go ahead to paragraph seventeen then. Well, and, and I think, you know, one of the things that I, I, when I was reading paragraph 17, one of the things that struck me was Christ's teachings in Matthew 22, where he says, all the law can be summarized as love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your, your neighbor as yourself. And, and there's this tendency, uh, I think, to to take God's word, Christ's words and say, okay, love God, love others, got it, done. You know, I don't have to study the Ten Commandments. I don't have to study the, the Lord's Prayer. I don't have to say, I've got love God, love your neighbors, I'm all set. I know how to do that. You know, that's, that's sort of the, the, you know, what Luther's doing here is he's taking that whole idea, that tendency that we have to say, okay, love God, love it, and he's putting it on its head. And he's saying, oh, no, 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 you, you need to look at this the other way around, that, you know, Christ is summarizing with a perfect understanding of the Ten Commandments. What what we need to understand is that we don't know how to love our neighbors. We don't know how to love God. And it's by studying the Ten Commandments that we can we can start to understand how far fall, how how far short we fall in our understanding on how to love God and how to love our neighbors. And then at the end of this paragraph, he helps us understand more what it means to study the Ten Commandments. When he says the entire Psalter, all of the Psalms, are simply a devotion upon the first commandment. And and with that gives us an explanation. When I say I'm going to study the Ten Commandments, I'm not just reading the Ten Words. I'm using the Ten Commandments as a lens upon which I will read Scripture. I will read the Psalms as a devotion to the promise, you shall have no other God. And so for Luther, the catechism is not simply catechism as in like the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer, but that these then becomes the lens by which we read the Scriptures. That I read the scriptures by understanding that there's only one God and that I'm going to honor him. And yet as I study more in the Ten Commandments throughout the scriptures, I find how many times God heroes have fallen short. And then in that reflection, I fall short. So what's the the answer? Well, then I can look in scripture and say, well, how has God redeemed me and rescued me, a lost and condemned sinner? So the Ten Commandments uh, and the creed and the prayer that he's hammering home as the catechism is not simply these 70, 80 pages of the large catechism or the small, the six uh, chief sections of the, the catechism, but it's how these words then become the lens to read the rest of scripture. So the catechism is, you know, like I, like I was saying a moment ago, 
where where we have a tendency to look at Christ summarizing the Ten Commandments, and we we walk away with that and we say, okay, I know how to love. Really, what what the Ten Commandments are is the other way around. We take Christ's teaching to love God and love our neighbors. And then the beginning of understanding how little we know about it is to look at the Ten Commandments, and then you continue on through that lens to see how far, how what it means to love God and love your neighbor. And that's uh, with the well, of course with the help of the the rest of Scripture, which which is a, a commentary. Like Luther points out, the Psalms, all 150 Psalms, are a commentary on the on the first commandment. Now, paragraph uh, 18 is a wonderful moment of uh, a good Luther insult, where he says, Now I know of a truth that such lazy paunches and presumptuous spirits do not understand a single psalm, much less the entire Holy Scripture, yet they pretend to know and despise the Catechism, which is a compendium brief summary of all of the Holy Scriptures. I have found that last line, that the Catechism is a compendium and brief summary of all of the Holy Scriptures, a wonderful reminder that the Catechism is not extra to Scripture, that the Catechism is not something Lutherans have just to be different than other denominations. For Luther, the Catechism was just simply a way to read the Scripture. It was the summary of the Scriptures. It wasn't the catechism is something other than scriptures. It was that the catechism itself is just a good summary. And anytime you want to know the scriptures, it's a great time to just go to the catechism and get the summary of it. Well, I think that's a great place to uh, to put our marker for next time for this, this episode of Grace on Tap. I want to uh, thank, as always, thank uh, Josh, who's been helpful in setting this up. Thanks to uh, Sarah my daughter, who uh, did the music and uh, uh, the, the artwork. Um, and uh, we'll be, we're going to continue with this. We'd love to hear from you if you have any, any comments or questions. Uh, love to hear what you think of the new format. Um, and and as you may have noticed we, we might sound a little bit better, at least different. Uh, so uh, if you want to tell us what you think of that, we, we would love to hear any, any, any comments that you might have for us. So anything else there, Evan? Uh, no, I just, uh, I appreciate the time that you spend, Mike, in preparing all the resources that we use during these recordings. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Well, so until next time, Prost. Prost. <laughs>